Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into this special topic of mercy, um, a topic that we have been in for a few months now. We kicked off our study on mercy with a reflection into mercy as it comes to us in sacred scripture, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, where we really came to see that mercy is not only the chief attribute of God, but an attribute that draws us deeper into the mystery of who God is, and at the same time, and at the same time, who we are called to be, coming to a deeper understanding that to live in God's mercy is ultimately to go to the margins. As we saw, mercy is really about love when it reaches out to the suffering, love when it reaches out to those who are impoverished, mindful that the word poverty simply means to be without, right? So we're just not talking about material poverty, but also spiritual poverty. And that, of course, led us into a treatment of the corporal works of mercy and the spiritual works of mercy. The corporal works of mercy had us focusing in on the body and the body's needs, and the spiritual works of mercy had us focusing in on uh, the needs of the soul, our spiritual needs. So with that, what I want to now do is reflect into some saints that have us considering more things to think about as it relates uh, to mercy. And first up is St. Therese, which is fitting because if you were to go back to our last discussion together, what did we wrap up? But the seventh spiritual work of mercy, praying for the dead. Um, And because St. Therese saw it as her personal vocation to pray unceasingly for the dead, certainly she is a saint that we uh, should be thinking about. And In a manner of speaking, this is partly due to why she is known as the patroness of missions. It's quite interesting. When I ask people who are unfamiliar with who is officially the patron saint of missionaries, many people respond with with great missionary saints. But I tell you, rarely, rarely has anyone responded with St. Therese of Lisieux. And what's going on here? How is it that a young nun who spent her entire adult life in a convent in France, could be dubbed uh, the patron saint of missions. And we should rightfully say co-patron, right? Because St. Francis of Xavier is the other patron of missions. I mean, really, can a person be a missionary for souls without ever leaving a home? Because this, in the end, is what we are talking about, Right. And once again, we are made to reflect critically into how the Christian faith is but a paradox. (laughs) Remember what that word paradox means. Contrary to expectation. A paradox is to flip something upside down so as to turn it right side up. The very life of St. Therese has us looking at another paradox. Um, And so what is going on? Well, let us first say this. In so many ways, as it relates to our apostolic zeal, as it relates to our call to be a great missionary. It is about a burning within, huh? Is this not one of the great themes 
that we have talked about here on Seeds of Truth, the burning within, the in-God moment, so that we might better understand where God might be calling us, right? We can only understand the other moment if we are first in God, if you will. So in the life of St. Therese, from a very young age, she had the desire to go to uh, the missions. Uh, She writes about a grace she received at her conversion. Now, this is St. Therese. Like his apostles, Master, I have fished all night and caught nothing. He made of me a fisher of souls. I experienced a great desire to work for the conversion of sinners, a desire I hadn't experienced so intensely before. So those are the words of St. Therese. Clearly, she has a burning within um, to evangelize souls. Months later, from that journal entry in July of 1887, she would be confirmed in her vocation. Uh, this would happen in the Cathedral of Lisieux. And listen to what she had to say here. One Sunday, looking out at a picture of our Lord on the cross, I was struck by blood flowing from one of the divine hands. I felt a great pang of sorrow when thinking this blood was falling to the ground without anyone hastening to gather it up. I was resolved to remain in spirit at the foot of the cross and to receive the divine dew. Beautiful. She goes on. I understood I was then to pour it out upon souls, upon all souls. I wanted to give my beloved to drink, and I felt myself consumed with a thirst for souls. As yet, it was not the souls of priests that attracted me, but those of great sinners. Wow. I mean, my friends, what have we already said about God's mercy? Do you not hear that in St. Therese's own words? how she so desired to be an agent of mercy. She was, we could say, attracted to brokenness, huh? Attracted to brokenness. Isn't this one of the marks of how we share in Christ's own missionary mercy, huh? To be gripped by someone who is broken, to actually enter into the hurt of another. Again, this is what mercy is all about. And with great fervor do we read how she makes that last spiritual work of mercy praying for the dead, her very life. You know, it is no wonder why mercy is so central to the new evangelization, huh? I mean, we could say that the whole of her physical life, the whole of St. Therese's physical life on earth was anchored to the cloister, but her missionary heart burning within was always before her, always in, in the mission fields and distant lands. Isn't that something? Um, We're going to be talking a lot about Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, soon to be Saint Teresa of Calcutta. One of the things she did was to establish a contemplative element within her community to be constantly praying for those who are out in the missionary fields. In point of fact, she would speak about this contemplative mode of her order with great affection in a number of entries in her uh, memoir, Come Be My Light. So something to be thinking about when we ask the question, how is it possible that someone who lived in a cloistered monastery be a co-patron for uh, missionaries? Well, there it is. If my heart burns with a great zeal to intercede on behalf of another, even if they are in a far distant land, well, that is how. Because God takes 
all of our prayer, and he dispenses it however he wants to dispense it, right? Because he's God. And should this not be an encouragement, huh? a nudge to pray more fervently that our own hearts might burn with that same zeal? How about that image from the writings of St. Therese, huh? I was resolved to remain in spirit at the foot of the cross and to receive the divine dew. The idea that blood was flowing from his divine hands and from our Lord's own broken human body onto the ground without anyone catching it, uh, that really gripped St. Therese, and she did something about it. Now, what more could be said of St. Therese as it relates to her missionary, merciful zeal? Well, St. John Paul II, on more than one occasion, would speak to this need we have to contemplate the face of Christ. Why? Well, the face is intimate and encompasses much of our senses. It is how we know others, right? We see with our eyes and discern. A smile or a frown is what? But a sign of the emotions we are experiencing from moment to moment. Remember what we have talked about as it relates to the sacramentality of our body. How when we cry, it is a sign that we are sad. Those physical tears are a sacrament, if you will, of our sadness. Or if we are happy, our laughter, our, our smile, or even our tears of joy are a sacrament of our joy. Or if we are embarrassed, our red cheeks are a sacrament of our embarrassment. You see, my friends, there is a sacramentality to our body. Why do we talk about this? Because St. Therese contemplated the face of Christ crucified, and for love of souls gave her life to Christ crucified. We must remember that her name bears the title of what? The child Jesus and the holy face. She would go before the holy face as a child with her arms raised up in prayer. St. Um, Therese once in Carmel understood her missionary vocation from a contemplative point of view. Listen to what she had to say here. I had declared at the feet of Jesus, victim, in the examination preceding my profession, what I had come to Carmel for. And pay close attention to this. I came to save souls and especially to pray for priests. When one wishes to attain a goal, one must use the means. Jesus made me understand that it was through suffering that he wanted to give me souls. And my attraction for suffering grew in proportion to its increase. The principle of her Carmelite life was constant. In her own words, for prayer and sacrifice that one can help the missionaries. My dear friends, one thing is clear. St. Therese's prayer for the living was always imbued with this deeper sense of a missionary merciful zeal. Huh? In point of fact, it was the hope of Pope Pius XI in, what was it, uh, 1939, that after declaring her patroness of missions, all cloister religious <laughs> would envision the life of the contemplative as indispensable in the work of the missions. The sign was clear, huh? I mean, St. Therese was a spiritual master of the contemplative life. She considered her call and the call of her fellow sisters, we should add, to be the spiritual mother of the missions and missionaries. In one of her more famous quotes, she says, Our vocation is not to go reap in the fields of the mature crops, 
Jesus doesn't tell us, lower your eyes, look at the fields and go on and reap. Our mission is still more sublime. Here are the Lord's words. Lift your eyes and see. See how in heaven there are empty places. He asks you to fill them. You are my praying Moses on the mountain. Request workers of me, and I will send them. I only wait for a prayer, a sigh of your heart. The apostolate of prayer is not to say higher than that of preaching. Our mission as Carmelite is one of forming evangelical workers that will save millions of souls whose mothers we will be. Mm, Beautiful. So once again, we see this charism, if you will, coming out in her writings, this charism of being an intercessor of mercy. What did St. Therese say? Our Lord waits for our sighs. Our Lord waits for our groaning. You know, we have in the account of the healing of the deaf man with a speech impediment, Christ doing what? Well, sighing, groaning. We've talked about this before, huh? How Christ sets himself up as a current by putting his fingers into the ear of the lame man. Powerful, powerful stuff. Brothers and sisters in Christ, in and through baptism, we are all called to be missionaries. Some are called to go into the mission fields, while others follow Christ into the mission fields while never leaving home. There are some who might follow the example of, say, a St. Francis Xavier, and others who might follow the example of St. Therese of Lisieux. Both are called to be missionaries, missionaries of saving souls. As all missionary activity flows out of prayer, so one forms and informs the other. So here again, we are made to see uh, the value of prayer as it breathes life into our external missionary activity, a missionary activity that is filled with merciful and sacrificial love. It is always fascinating to me to think about how St. Therese lived a very simple and hidden life as a Carmelite nun who, after her death and the publication of her writings, became one of the best-known and best-loved saints in the whole world. In more ways than one could we not say that St. Therese has illumined the whole church with her profound spiritual doctrine to the point that St. John Paul II chose to give her what title? But the title of Doctor of the Church. You know, this title, as we've talked about it on Monday evenings, is a very special title accorded by the church to certain saints. This is a title that indicates the writings and preachings of such a person are useful to Christians in any age of the church. You know, such men and women are also particularly known for maybe the depth of understanding and and the orthodoxy of their theological writings. But what makes St. Therese so interesting is that no one would have regarded this saint while she was uh, living as some great philosopher or theologian. And yet, she understood God in such a beautiful way that St. John Paul II would be compelled to give her this title. St. John Paul II described her as an expert in the science of love. How about that? An expert in the science of love. How can we not talk about this woman, right, (laughs) in any discussion on mercy, as she is known as 
the expert in the science of love. And what is it about this science of love? Huh? St. Therese expressed this science in which she saw the whole truth of the faith shine out in that one word, love. And of course, this comes through mainly in uh, the story of her life, which was published a year after her death, that is known as The Story of a Soul. And The Story of a Soul is a, a diary, huh? a memoir. If one wishes to capture the essence of what she was about, you really must do so by looking at her life and how she herself would see Jesus working in her own life. As St. Therese would want us to see it, love has a face, love has a name, and it is Jesus. Huh? It would be easy for us to talk about Jesus Christ as revealing love, uh, Jesus Christ as revealing mercy, but it's more than just the revelation of love or the revelation of mercy. He is love, you see. He is mercy. The most important doctrine of our faith is the incarnation as it reveals the greatness of what we talk about now, huh? because Jesus was revealing the face of God. Now, there's much more to be said about St. Therese, but instead of going through her whole biographical story per se, rehashing something we have already talked about, I want to direct you to my archives dating back seven, eight weeks uh, to Monday evening. It was uh, sometime in, in mid to late March that we were talking about St. Therese. So I want to direct you there. Go ahead and, and listen to that one. It, it will rehash some of the things that we already talked about uh, this evening. But I did want to get to something of great importance to St. Therese's life, especially within this special topic of mercy, and that was her offering to merciful love. Uh, this was an offering she made towards the end of her life on the Feast of the Most Holy Trinity in 1895. It was an offering that Therese immediately shared with her sisters. So after 10 years in what she would call the grace of Christmas, in 1896 came the grace of Easter, huh, as she would put it. And this really opened up the last period of St. Therese's life with the beginning of her passion in profound union with the passion of Jesus. It was the passion of her body with the illness that led her to death through great suffering, but it was especially the passion of the soul with a very painful trial of faith, something we have seen among many saints. huh? So with Mary beside the cross of Jesus, Therese would begin to enter into a new phase at the end of her life, a new phase we could rightfully say of heroic faith. Now, what is so striking about this is that Therese was aware that she was living in this great trial for the salvation of others, yes, but more specifically of atheists. I mean, when was the last time that you offered something to God huh, for another atheist. Often she would call her atheists her brothers. Huh? Uh, what have we talked about before as it relates to poverty? I mean, what is going on here? St. Therese recognizes a poverty in the world, and although she is a cloister nun, she seeks to do something about it. Remember what we said about the spiritual works of mercy. St. Therese recognized within the atheist the absence of faith 
the absence of belief, right? So she would offer to God her prayers that God might grant those atheists the gift of faith. Striking. So at this point in her life, she would then live this fraternal love even more intensely for the sisters of her community, for her two spiritual missionary brothers um, that has been documented in, in books and papers and articles and whatnot, for the priests, and for all the people, especially in the heart of St. Therese, those who are most distant from God. I mean, she truly became a universal sister, huh? A missionary sister. Remember what the word Catholic means? Coming from the Greek kataholike, it simply translates as universal. St. Therese of Lisieux, my friends, had a universal heart. Her lovable, smiling charity was the expression of the profound joy whose secret she revealed on one occasion was simply loving Jesus, loving the atheist by loving Jesus. In this context of suffering, as we read in her journal, living the greatest love in the smallest things of daily life, St. Therese brought to fulfillment her vocation to be love in the heart of her church. Uh, once again, an important charism of her life. She spoke of this often, to be love in the heart of the church. How do you be love in the heart of the church? What lies at the heart of the church? Well, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian faith, right? What is the Eucharist? But the reactualization of the offering of Christ. So St. Therese saw her very life as a sacrifice, as a holocaust to be used for the greater glory of God. Mm. That being said, as it relates to the bio of her life and an important piece, St. Therese died on the evening of September 30th, 1897, saying the simple words, My God, I love you. My God, I love you. And she spoke these words while clutching um, the crucifix tightly in her hands. You know, it could be said in so many ways, these last words of St. Therese are really the key to her whole doctrine, huh? to her interpretation of the gospel as she expressed in her last breath what one can say was the continuous breathing of her soul. Huh? Because when you read St. Therese, the simple words, Jesus, I love you, are at the heart of all her writings, huh? I mean, when you consider Therese as a doctor of the church, clearly we are made to see that Therese is one of the little ones of the gospel who let herself be led by God to the depths of his mystery. And with humility and charity, faith and hope, St. Therese continually entered the heart of what? Sacred scripture itself, which contains the mystery of Christ. And this interpretation of the Bible, nourished by, as John Paul II would speak to it, the science of love, is not in opposition to academic knowledge. The science of the saints, in fact, of which she herself speaks on the last page of, of her, The Story of a Soul, is the loftiest science. I mean, go to her own words here. All the saints have understood, and in a very special way, perhaps those who fill the universe with the radiance of the evangelical doctrine. Was it not from prayer that St. Paul, St. Augustine, St. John of the Cross, 
St. Thomas Aquinas, Francis, Dominic, and so many other friends of God drew that wonderful science which has enthralled the loftiest minds. Isn't that striking? I I love that moment (laughs) when the likes of a St. Therese offers for us rich insight into the heart and mind of some of the greatest saints. Now, what's more here, and and I've already more or less touched upon it, is that which is inseparable from the gospel for St. Therese, and that is the Eucharist. The Eucharist as the sacrament of divine love that stoops to the extreme to raise us to him. In our last letter, on an image that represents Jesus the child and the consecrated host, St. Therese wrote these words, I cannot fear a God who made himself so small for me. I love him. In fact, he is nothing but love and mercy. He is nothing but love and mercy. You know, if you were to go to St. Therese's bio, in the gospel, what does St. Therese discover? But above all, the mercy of Jesus. To the point that she said this, to me, he has given his infinite mercy. And it is in this ineffable mirror that I contemplate his other divine attributes. Therein all appear to me radiant with love. His justice, even more perhaps than the rest, seems to be clothed with love. You know, it's a fascinating fact. If you're to go to the beginning of her story of a soul and to the end of her story of a soul, what is she talking about? But mercy, mercy. She would always talk about um, going to God's mercy with great confidence and love. If mercy is the full revelation of love, then what does confidence have to do with that? Well, we were talking about that earlier this week. The word confidence comes from the Latin confidere. The root there, fidere, means what? To trust. Huh? To trust. Is not the message of divine mercy? The message of do not be afraid to trust in God? Huh? Do we not find a sermon on trust within the Sermon on the Mount? Huh? When he says, do not worry, do not be anxious, do not be, as the Greek translates, preoccupied. Trust in me. Come to me with great confidence and love. This is what lies at the heart of mercy and consequently what was in the heart of St. Therese of Lisieux, right? So although it be a brush stroke of St. Therese, I do want to encourage all of you listeners out there to pick up the story of a soul if you have not read it already and read it within the context of mercy. Again, we are in this extraordinary jubilee year of mercy. It is fitting that we pick up a spiritual read and we read it within the light of mercy, within the context of mercy. Do so with St. Therese and come to understand that indeed her heart was one that was caught up in the great merciful love of Christ. Amen. With that, let us close with, with a word of prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. 
If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.